0: Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. And the theme you have up on the wall, the five solas. I'll explain that now. Faith alone. The five solas, faith sulas, faith alone. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once more. Father, we draw near to the throne of grace again and ask for the working and the power And wisdom of the Holy Spirit for ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive and a mind to understand and hands and feet to obey. We pray that you would please guide us, help us to listen, help us to measure the teaching by the word and to obey scripture alone. We pray these things in your name. Amen. It must have been around the end of last year that I decided when Easter comes 2023, I want to preach on the five solas. Now, sola is a Latin word, it means only or alone. So, when we say the five solas, the Reformers responded to the Roman Catholic Church in the 1500s, and the Reformers said, We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. In Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. So in Latin, those were big words that I don't even have to say, but each of them had the word sola, sola gratia, grace alone, sola fide, faith alone, and so on. So when we speak about the five solas, I preached the first one on Sunday evening, that we are saved by grace alone. This morning then, faith alone on Sunday will be Christ alone, and so we'll continue for two more Sundays. But when we speak about these alone statements, then grace is the source, the brun. It's the source of our salvation, God's grace. Faith is the channel of our salvation. It's the channel by which we receive God's grace. Christ is the object of our salvation. Scripture is the content of our salvation. That's the inner. That for day like us and then the glory of God is the goal of our salvation. That is why we are saved, so we may glorify God. Now, when we talk this morning about sola fide, about faith alone, if you hear this teaching, I hope you're going to say, like a lady in East London many many years ago. She told her pastor when he preached on faith alone and, and explained that there's no other way by which we can receive God's salvation. She was so excited about this and she said, Why did I never hear this teaching? Why did I never hear the teaching of justification by faith alone? And she said to her pastor, Please. Will you teach on this again and again? I always want to hear this teaching. And then when any other pastor would come, she would ask him, Do you preach this? That we are saved by faith alone? Because I want to hear this. This was so comforting. And I hope it will be the same to you this morning. So let's read Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, or for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, first of all, we're going to look at grace and faith, and then secondly, we'll look at faith and works. So grace and faith, that is in just the first part of verse 8. On Sunday we looked at this, this passage, the first verses. So if you you were to read verse 1, 2, and 3, you would see what we were like before we became Christians. We were dead in sins. We were dead in our trespasses. We were spiritually dead. There was no desire in us for God, no desire for spiritual things, no desire for righteousness and obedience and holiness. We followed, it says in verse 2, we followed the world. We did what everyone did. We followed the evil one. We followed Satan. Satan, the mastermind behind this evil world system. We did his will without realizing it. While at the same time, living according to our own wicked desires. Our own evil desires. Our own sins. We said what we wanted to say. I call a spade a spade and it's your spade that I call. And... We said what we wanted to, we thought what we wanted to, we desired what we wanted to, when we wanted it, how we wanted it, and therefore, because of this disobedience and evil living, it says at the end of verse 3, we were children of wrath, we were children of God's anger, we deserve God's punishment, we deserve God's judgment. And then verse 8 comes and it says, for by grace you have been saved how can it be anything else? If we were so evil and so hopeless and so lost, how can it be anything but the grace of God? Now, grace simply means God's undeserved gift, God's unmerited favor. God smiles upon you. God is kind toward you, not because you and I deserve it, but just because He is good. How can it be anything else than grace, anything other than grace? Now, when it says in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved... The verb there, that word saved, it's in the perfect tense. That means it's something that happened in the past and it's complete and it has an effect in the present. When Jesus died on the cross, He said, it is finished. This 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 it is done. We have been saved. Done. Perfect tense. But it has an effect now. Titus 2 says that we can live upright lives, holy lives, godly lives, obedient lives, righteous lives in the present. It's possible by the power of God and because of of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, how do you receive this saving grace? Through faith. Yes, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is the channel, so I can almost explain it like this. Faith, or let's say, grace is your blood—the blood in your body. Grace is your life's blood. If you don't have blood, you die. So, grace is the life's blood. Faith is your veins that carries this life blood all over your body. It carries it to the lungs and to the brain. And to the kidneys, and so on, said so you can live. So, what is it that makes you live? Is it your veins or is it your blood? It's your blood, it's not your veins. But without the veins, the blood cannot be transported to the body. And in the same way, we can ask, what is it that saves you? Is it God's grace or is it your faith? It is God's grace, it's not your faith that saves you. Faith is the veins. Faith is the way, it's the channel by which you receive this life of God and all the benefits of the life of God, all the benefits of God's grace, benefits like being adopted into His family, of your sins being forgiven, of you are declared not guilty, you are declared righteous because of Christ the benefit of being sealed by the Holy Spirit to show you are a child of God, and so on and so forth. So, so faith, we can say, faith is the empty hand. I've, I thought, what picture? I always choose a picture for the blog, and I send it to him, Ati, and he put it on YouTube for the sermon, and I try to match it with the theme of the sermon. So faith alone, what picture will work? And I chose a picture of dirty hands that are empty. Standing like this, saying, I've got nothing to give, I need to receive. So faith, faith is, faith is the empty hands that they empty, ready to receive the golden coin. The gold, the riches of God in Christ. To say, I have nothing to give. I'm a beggar. It's like the two people in the temple, the Pharisee and the tax collector. So the Pharisee standing in the front of the temple looking up and thinking he's so righteous and wonderful. Thank you God, I'm not like other men. I don't commit adultery. I don't murder people. I'm not a thief like that tax collector in the back who steal people's money. Oh, I fast twice a week. I give 10% of all my income. Thank you, I'm such a good man. That man came with full hands to say, look what I can offer you God. That's what many people think salvation is. That's what many people think Christianity is. They think it's what I give to God. You even hear this, and I'm I'm not going to be too hard on you, but it's not biblical to say, I gave my heart to Jesus. There's there's no such such phrase in the Bible when people get converted. Salvation is not something you do for Jesus. It's something He did for you. Every religion says, you must do, do, do. Christianity says it's done, done, done. (laughs) So, So the tax collector, he's standing in the back of the temple and he's so ashamed of his sin he cannot even look up and he just says, he beats on his breast and says, God, God be merciful to me a sinner. He came with empty hands to say, I need your mercy. That's Christianity. That's biblical Christianity. So, So faith, faith is like that. Faith looks to the historical facts of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Faith Looks to the historical facts of Christ was crucified for our sins. He was buried and he rose bodily on the third day. Faith is not a leap in the dark. Some people think Christianity is just this this faith in a vacuum. You know, we believe things we hope it's true. I hope there's even. That's that ridiculous argument where people say, I'm the Christian, here's the atheist. So I say to the, the atheist, okay, so if if, I, if you are wrong, you lose everything. You're going to stand before God. But if I'm wrong, then I lose nothing. That's nonsense. I lose everything if I was wrong. I, lived, I gave my whole life to serve Christ. Then I might as well quit my job right now. Let's lock the doors of this church and close it up for either sell it to someone or let the rats and the bats move in. Faith is not a leap in the dark. It's not just jumping and we hope something is true. Faith is based on historical evidence. It's based on the historical facts of Jesus who was crucified for sinners, who was buried and who rose on the third day and appeared to many witnesses. They saw him. But we need to go a step further now. So that's true. That's true to say that. And if you don't have the historical facts, it's not Christianity. Christianity. A lot of what's going on in in the greatest Afrikaans denomination in South Africa. A lot of what's going on there, it's called liberal theology. They deny the bodily resurrection, a number of them, and the professors. That is not Christianity. Liberalism is another religion. It's not Christianity. So if you don't have that, you don't have Christianity. Christianity. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 19. If Christ was not raised from the dead, our faith is futile. It's a waste of time. And then we of we all men are most to be pitied. But it's not enough to have the historical evidence. Not enough to say, oh, I've got saving faith. It's faith alone. I need to believe the facts. The devil also believes the facts. James 2 verse 19 says, the devils believe there is one God and they, they tremble, they're afraid, they're shaking. So it's not enough. You need to make that historical evidence your own. You need to say, I receive Christ as my Savior. To all who have received Him, to those who believe on His name, to them He has given the right to become the children of God, says John chapter 1, verse 12. We say that I deny myself, I take up my cross every day, and I follow Christ. We say with Galatians 2 verse 20, it's no longer, I was cruci- I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. It's like my friend's son. Not long ago, the end, toward the end of last year, my friend's son was converted. And his dad's a pastor, so he knows the gospel. And he's heard the gospel many times. His dad's a very good preacher. But, but when he was saved, he said to his dad, I always heard these things but I didn't understand I must believe it for myself. <laughs> That's it. You must believe it for yourself. You must trust saving faith uh, saving faith means trust. You you transfer jy verplaas jou vertrouwen. You transfer the trust from yourself before Before you were saved, you trusted in yourself. You trusted in your good works. You trusted in the Lord's Supper. You trusted in baptism. You trusted in your church attendance. You trusted in tithing. You trusted in your parents' faith. You trusted in you are a pastor or an elder or a deacon. Um, You trusted in your good works. Now you transfer that trust to say, I do not trust myself anymore or any of these other things. I do not even trust my quiet time. I trust Christ alone. The transferral of that. That's what Paul did in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 to 9. Where Paul says, before, I used to trust in my spiritual CV. In my spiritual pedigree. I'm a Jew. I've got Jewish blood. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a Pharisee. I'm religious, man. I keep the law. Then Paul realized. I can trust in none of that. You see, repentance doesn't only mean to repent of your sin. It means to repent of your self-righteousness. It means to repent of trusting in yourself and running and fleeing to Christ alone. That is saving faith. That is faith alone. It looks to another. You see, faith alone, faith alone looks away from self. Faith faith in Christ is like like trusting this platform. So I'm standing here. I don't for one moment think the earth is going to give way and I'm going to perish, I'm going to disappear into the ground. I trust that this platform, or if I'm walking outside on the ground, it's going to carry my weight. But, can the platform give way? Yes. Can the earth give way? Well, an earthquake or a sinkhole? So, so trusting in Christ is even more than trusting the earth to carry my weight. Trusting in Jesus Christ, you will not be put to shame. Romans 9.33 You will not be put to shame. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a wonderful comfort. Do you have it? Do you have the faith I've just described? And if you don't have it, what's holding you back? Why do you not have it? Why will you not call on the Lord? What is preventing you from believing in this way? Why not do what Paul said to the Philippian jailer? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Don't say, when you hear this sermon this morning, don't say, I need more time. Maybe you don't have more time. And even if you do have more time, every second... You keep on disbelieving. You remain under the anger of God. John 3 verse 36, the wrath of God abides on him. The anger, the punishment, the judgment of God abides on you. It rests on you. If you are not for Jesus, he said you are against him. There is not something in between. There is but a heartbeat between you and hell. The end of verse 3, you are a child of wrath. You're a child of God's anger. Here's another application, because I believe, well, I know most of you, and most of you are believers in Christ. You do have this faith. But some of your children, your family members, you think they are Christians because they were at a Christian camp or at some special service. And they responded to an altar call and they said a sinner's prayer. But verse 1 to 3 describes their lives. They love the world. They follow the devil. They love their sin. They do whatever they want. They follow their sinful desires. That's their way of life. They don't have the faith I've just described. Do not keep on telling them you are saved. Because as long as you do that, you will do not even keep on thinking that. Because as long as you do that, you will not pray for them to be saved. Because you you think they are saved because they they said a prayer. Or they responded to an altar call. Pray for their salvation. Now I'm not saying you should walk up to them and say, you've got no more grace and salvation than this rock. That's what David Brainerd did in the university in the 1700s. He said of one of the theology professors, that professor has no more grace than this chair. And then he got expelled. Um, So don't walk up to them and say that. you, You simply do what Peter tells you. You give a reason for the hope that is in you, and you do it with gentleness and respect. And then you pray for their salvation, and you share the gospel of Jesus with them, kindly and gently and lovingly, but straight. And then, if they reject all of that, or they just refuse to respond, then you leave it in the Lord's hands. You keep on praying for them. Number two, faith and works. So that was grace and faith, and now faith and works. That is in verse 8b to verse 10. I've already read that. Now before my brother-in-law became a Christian, he told me, A few years before God saved him, he remembers a day when he was in his room and he was on his knees and he pleaded with God and he said, Lord, forgive my sins, please. Please forgive and remove my sins. And he said, and it didn't work. Why did God not answer that prayer? Now, I don't know the ins and the outs. I don't know, was he sincere? Was he not sincere? I don't know, was he praying that, but he really wanted to continue with his sin? I don't know the ins and the outs of that. But uh, why, the reason I'm giving that illustration is to say that some of you might feel like that. Some of you might feel that I've prayed and I've said to God, forgive me, and nothing's changing. I'm still on this road in the power under the power of my sin and I cannot break free. I want to say to you, ask God to give you faith. What does verse 8 say? For by grace we have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Ask Him, Lord, open my heart. Give me the ability to believe. Give me the power to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, just like grace, faith is a gift of God. Philippians 1 verse 29, it has been granted to you. It has been given to you to believe in Him. Acts 18 verse 27, it says, Barnabas, or not Barnabas, Apollos, Apollos preached to these people who through grace had believed. Because of God's grace, because of His kindness that they believe. God makes you willing to believe. God enables you to believe. Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will, as well as to work according to His good pleasure. No one can come to Christ unless the Father who sent Him draws that person. John 6:44 John 6:65 6, Therefore I told you no one can come to me unless it is given to him by my Father Ask God and say open my heart Lord draw me draw me Open my heart like you did Lydia's heart in Acts 16 verse 14 The Lord opened Lydia's heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul Mark my heart oop Here dat ek die evangelie kan verstaan it So that means, again, that means faith is not the foundation of your salvation. Faith is the channel of your salvation. It's the channel by which you receive God's grace. And this goes against, there's a teaching that's been going around for about 20 years. It's not very popular in our circles, but there are some circles that have accepted it. And it's called the new perspective on Paul. So these guys say, no, we we understood Paul wrongly for two thousand years. What Paul actually, what Paul is saying is, faith is the new work that you do in order to be saved. Faith is your contribution. is what It's something you give. Where actually the only thing you gave to be saved is your sin. To say, here I am, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. Faith is not faith is not some work you must. You mustn't look at it like it's some kind of work. <clears throat> That's not the case. What happens if you turn faith into a work, then you're going to be that kind of person and you've met some of them. They, the, those people, who they look, they look at themselves and say, do I have enough faith? Because they think faith is a work. Do I have enough faith? It's like the disciples, increase our faith. Where Jesus said, mustard seeds enough. It's not, not how big your faith is. It's about how great is the one in whom you believe. What is the object of your faith? Who are you looking to? You see, these people, they believe in their belief. They believe in their faith. They don't believe in Christ. They look inward. They look at themselves and their faith instead of looking at Christ through faith. And why do they do that? Because they've got a wrong definition of faith. They misunderstand faith. You see, in the Bible, Romans 4, verse 4 and 5, Faith and works are opposites. It says if you were saved by works, then you can brag. Then then God needs to pay you for salvation. It says that's your due. That's what you deserve, salvation, because you worked for it. But then it says that's not how salvation works. Abraham was justified by faith. So don't turn faith into a work. They're opposites. Don't confuse the two. You see what faith does, faith forgets all about itself. Faith forgets all about its own deservings and its own works. Faith looks away from self to Christ alone. And then faith takes him on his word. Faith takes him on his word and on his promises that says, everyone who believes in the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on his name will be saved. And then faith acts upon that. I receive Him as my Savior. And then God counts that as righteousness. Romans 4, verse 3. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 5. And to the one who doesn't work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Now, I don't know how to say this in English, but I'll try my best. And I'll say it in Afrikaans too. That does not mean, God now writes, the word faith, in the in this, in the right hand column, or the left hand, jylle boek houwers, wat ek can dit met gang. It doesn't mean he writes, in the positive, the plus column, faith, that is what you deserve. Hy skryf nie geloof in die verdienste kolom nie. In the column, and die verdienste kolom, that side where, here's the plus, here's the positive. God writes, forgiven, justified, through faith in Christ. Die verdienste kolom, Christus' naam gaan That's now put to your account. It's not your faith that's put in that, on the side of deservings. There's a transaction that takes place. That's easy to understand, even if you're not into accounting and if you're not a chartered accountant or or an auditor of some kind. So this is easy to understand. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, God made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, Jesus never sinned and he wasn't a sinner. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So what happens is there, there's a swap that takes place. All my sin is put on Jesus, put to Jesus' account. And He is punished for my sin. He pays my fine, Colossians 2.14. The record of death that stood against us is nailed to the cross. All the righteousness of Jesus, His perfect life, His obedience, is put to my account. And then God sees not me. Who does He see? That is, for all those who believe, it is through faith we receive the benefits of this. So Paul says, I don't care about my righteousness anymore. That's like, that. throw that to the dogs. I don't care about all those things that I try to do to earn God's salvation and who I am. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day, Pharisee, whatever. I don't care about any of that. I just want Christ. I want the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Christ. And God puts a perfect record on your books. And on Judgment Day, what have you got before God in your life's book? Is there sin? Oh, it's all been washed away by the blood of Jesus. Is there righteousness? Oh, perfect righteousness. Not one of those is yours. Jesus did it all. Wow. (laughs) We need to hear this again and again. I need to hear this again and again. How often do you get discouraged about your sin? How often do you feel this is too strong, I cannot win the battle? You need to come to the cross again and again. Look to Jesus over and over. God sees you clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You've got dirty clothes, the dirty clothes of your sin. Go and read Zechariah 3. Here's Joshua the high priest standing before the Lord, and his clothes are so filthy, and Satan is accusing, you sinner, how can you stand before God? And then, then the angel of the Lord says, remove his dirty clothes, those filthy clothes, and they remove it. And, and then it says, and clothe him, clothe him with clean clothes. And that's the righteousness of Jesus that covers you now. Um, Isaiah 61 verse 10, we are clothed in the righteousness of and you're pure. Christ becomes your righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. And now God will not judge you. There's no judgment, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. You're hiding in the strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and he is safe. The storm of God's judgment will not pound him. So if that's true, and it is, what have you got to brag about? Nothing. We cannot boast in anything. Verse 9. you still got your Bible open. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. <laughs> the only thing you can boast about is Galatians 6.14. I've decided... I will boast about nothing else except the cross of Christ by which I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. I will boast in Jesus alone. And religion hates that. False religion hates that. You see, false religion wants acknowledgement. Hey, I want a diploma. I want a degree. I want a certificate. Call me up on the stage. Put the spotlight on me and say, I am in heaven because of my faith plus my works. False religion wants acknowledgement. I want to sing 99 songs to Jesus, okay, but give me one at least. Sing one song to me and praise me too, because I've contributed something. I remember having that a few years ago. The Jehovah's Witnesses, as they go in the streets, and a man came to my gate, and as I spoke to him and spoke about this issue... He started bragging and saying, I have done this door-to-door work for so many decades. And my father did this. And you know, we've been persecuted because we didn't want to go to the army. And whether you're a pacifist or not doesn't matter. But he bragged about that. And, and he said, And tomorrow, tomorrow, right across the world, every single kingdom, all of the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're going to preach exactly the same message. So he was bragging about how wonderful they are. Another situation was a prosperity gospel guy. The guys who believe that it's all about money and wealth and health. And so the man came and they said, can we rent your church building? And, and since then I've learned, we just say, sorry, we don't rent out the church building. Because we would have all kinds of hojas who come and they want to preach their false teaching here. And anyway, and so the guy came. And, and he said, So, what ministries do you have in the church? I said, Well, we've got Sunday services and a Bible study and a ladies' Bible study. And he said, Oh, we've got, and he started the list. And he was bragging. And he boasted about the excellence. Everything we do, we do with excellence. You see, that's what false religion wants. False religion wants a tap on the shoulder. False religion wants a sticker or number one, you're the best badge. They want something. To say, but I've also done something. It cannot be grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. But the Bible says it's faith alone. It's faith alone. No one can boast. Verse 9. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Romans chapter 3. I want to just flip through a few verses. Romans 3 verse 20. For by works... No works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. Verse 27. What then becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. You cannot boast. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by a law of faith. We hold that one is justified by faith without the works of the law. You didn't do something to earn salvation, to deserve salvation. And then you can keep on going. Chapter 4 verse 3 and 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, not by works. Titus 3 verse 5, not by works done by us in righteousness, but by God's own mercy He saved us. You see, the self-righteous person wants, he wants attention here. Look at me. The Pharisee, look what I've done, God. And then if I read these verses, and they want to hide behind James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26, second half of James 2. Because James says Abraham was justified by works, Rab was justified by works. But Paul says Abraham was justified by faith. And then James 2 24, you see then that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Or, or, now what do we do? Do we tear James out of our Bible? No, of course not. <laughs> The difference between Paul and James is not hard to explain. What James is telling you is what justifies the fact you say you are saved by Christ. You, saved, you are saved by faith alone. Can, can you justify that? Can you prove that in other words? And James says, yes, I can prove it. My works show that I have real faith. Christ has changed me. You can almost put it in this way. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. We are saved by faith alone. But the faith that saves is not alone. It's married to good works. (laughs) You are saved by faith alone. But true faith will always lead to good works. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2. True faith is expressed in good works. Just like an apple tree. You see the tree standing there, and when, whenever it's apple season, but now it's not apple season. And you don't know much about trees, and you wonder, hmm, wonder what that kind of tree what What kind of tree is that? And I tell you it's an apple tree, and you tell me, prove it. Wait for apple season. Oh, what kind of tree is that? No, it's a Christian tree. Prove it. Okay. Just watch the person long enough, you'll see good works. You'll see a life of good works. You see, the tree is known by its fruit. Good works is not the root, it's the fruit. Grace is the root. And faith draws all of that life and nourishment from the soil and from the water and pushes it into the branches so that it can bear fruit. So so true faith works through love, works through good works. Galatians 5 verse 6 and then verse 10 obviously. Created for good works. That cannot, be, that cannot be anything else. It cannot work in another way. Why? Verse 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're a new creature. You're a new person. You've been changed from the inside out. Before you were a Christian, verse 1, 2, and 3 described your life. Your whole way of living, it says, we walked in these ways. That word walk means that's your day-to-day action. That's your, that's your bundle. It's your life's walk. So your life's walk was evil and sin and wickedness and doing what you want to do and caring about nothing and no one else. But now you've been changed. Now verse 10 is true. Now you walk in good works. That's now your way of life. That's now your lievenswandel is doing good works, living good works. You're not a false Christian. You see, the false Christian can fake it. The false Christian can imitate good works. But it's not real good works. And... And those who do not trust, believe in Christ alone, they can imitate good works. When do they do good works? When they're on TV. When everyone sees. Like the Pharisees. Oh, look at what I've given to the Lord. Look how I help this poor person. Look how I pray before, in front of everyone else when I'm on stage. Oh, look at me. I haven't even brushed my hair this morning. No makeup. Why not? Oh, I'm fasting. The true believer does his good works even when no one sees, where only the Lord sees, still do good works. The false believer, his good works are s- spread here and there, not much, it's spurious, spurious, sporadic, monkey. It's sporadic, donkey. Uh, it's, sporadic. It's, it's kept for special occasions. It's like, hey, we've got a motorbike, motorcycle run for charity. That's when they do their good works. Oh, hey, it's Christmas time, we need to give toys to the children's home. That's when they do their good works. They do their good works in order to be seen by men. Where the true believer doesn't do his good works like that, it's not just the soup kitchen once a quarter, or for special occasions giving blankets to the poor, or let's clean up the streets, let's do the special operation, street cleanup, Kempton CBD. No, the Christian's work is verse 10, that you may walk in them. It's your day-to-day life. It's a life of good works. You see, the false believer does good works from fear. I'm afraid I'll go to hell if I don't do this. Or he does it from pride. I think I've done enough good works to get to heaven now. And I think I've done it better than you. <laughs> The true Christian is not like that. The true Christian is not like the Jehovah's Witness in Pelabora. He knocked on a door, came to an elder of the Baptist church. The elder said to him, Listen, I want to ask you a question. Be honest with me. Are you here today because you care about my soul, my salvation? Or are you here because you're scared you will not be saved if you do this? You're caring about your own soul. Be honest. And the man said, No, I'm here for my own soul. I remember hearing the late Martin Holt once say, we always say, oh, look at the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're so eager, they're so zealous. He says, they're not eager, they're scared. If they don't do enough, they won't make it. We don't do our good works like that as Christians. We do our good works because we love God and we love our neighbor. We do our good works because we are thankful God has saved us. We want to honor him. We don't do good works out of our own strength. That's what the false believer does. I'm just going to try and be a better person, pull up my moral socks, and I'll be a better person from now on. I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to help old people. I'm going to really do my best and stop swearing and stop getting drunk. And they think they can do this in their own power, but they can't. You cannot be good without God. Romans 3 verse 10 to 12, there is no one who is good, no one who does good, no one who seeks for God, no one who is righteous. It is only by the power of God that we can do good and be good. That's why verse 10 says we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. It is through Christ that we do good and do righteousness, not in our own strength or own power. Now some people are afraid of this teaching of faith alone. They say if you keep on preaching this message of you saved by faith alone, not works. Faith alone, not works, not faith plus works, faith alone. You're going to create a bunch of immoral people. Now they think good works aren't important. The opposite is true. You start living by good works, you will not keep count of how often you live in sin and fall into sin. Because the law's going to whip you. You've got a sinful nature. You are not able to do it. Where if we are saved by faith alone, where does faith look? To Christ all the time. And if we keep on looking at Christ, it is not possible to not do verse 10. You are going to want to do verse 10 because you're looking to Jesus all the time. You want to be like Him. And you are being transformed into His image, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, as you behold Christ. You'll grow and grow and grow and become more like Jesus. We don't start by faith and continue by works. We start by faith and continue by faith, looking to Him for strength to do verse 10, to do those good works. Galatians 3 verse 3 is clear about that. Paul says, are you mad? you Galatians. Who bewitched you? Who put a spell on you? Galatians 3 verse 1 to 3. You saw Christ crucified. It's like you saw Him before your eyes when I preached Him and and when we had the Lord's Supper. Why do you want to return to being saved by the law? Did you did you begin by the Spirit? Now you want to continue by the law? <laughs> all right. Okay. So now you say, all right, I I, I accept. Um, Saved by faith alone. But aren't you going to start bragging when you become more like Jesus? Look at me. I'm becoming more like Jesus. Not if you remember verse 10. Because you're doing those good works. Who gave that to you? For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in, in them. You cannot even brag about your good works. Even that is given of God. God God empowers you to do that. It wasn't your own strength. All you need to do, you and I, is to pray in the morning, Lord, please make me sensitive today. Please open my eyes to see where are these good works that you've prepared for me. God has already put them on your way. You just need to see them and do them. (laughs) And He'll give you the strength to 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 do them. So all the glory to the Lord. All the glory. I hope you can see, I'll close with this, Uh, two or three illustrations. I hope you can see that salvation by faith alone, it's not just, oh, we believe we are saved by faith alone. That means we get the theory right. You pass the exam. You understand what Good Friday is about. It's more than that. It is practical theology. It changes your life. It changes your way of living. Your your worldview is changed. And it fills you with peace like John Bunyan. John Bunyan, he says that he, he had this battle inside himself before he was saved. And he's struggling now with this matter of faith and works. And, and he sees he's he doesn't know how to get rid of it. And then he says, one day the Lord comforts him and encourages him from 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. Where it says, Christ is our righteousness. And it's like the Lord says to him, John, you think that you're accepted by me because you've done more good or less good. You're not accepted by me because of that. You are accepted by me because of my Son, Jesus Christ, and His righteousness. He is your righteousness. Your righteousness is in heaven, not in yourself. It is at my right hand, my Son. And John says, John Bunyan says his heart was filled with peace when he understood that. It says like his, his treasure, he saw that his gold is in heaven. His treasure is in heaven. It's Christ. And he was so encouraged. And then, and then the doubt came again and the Lord encouraged him from Romans 3, 24. We are justified by grace. It is God's grace through faith. And again, it's like the Lord said. He says it's almost like he heard a voice. And it said, Sinner! You think you are justified by your own works. You are accepted as righteous before me because of what you do. I do not look at you. I look at my son. He is with me in heaven. He is your righteousness. And I will deal with you according to my pleasure in him. So do you trust him or do you not? That'll even give you comfort as you die. When you're lying on your deathbed, if you believe you are saved by faith alone, oh, will you have peace. Will you have peace if you look at the Lord, at the Lord Jesus Christ, and be encouraged? You'll be able to die in peace and be at peace on the deathbed. It's like uh, King, King Louis XIV. He's an example of how you shouldn't die. King Louis XIV of France. He's lying on his deathbed, so his Catholic priest comes and says, he says to the priest, he says, please will you pray for me that my sins will be forgiven? And the priest says, Are you suffering? Are you struggling? Your conscience and He says, no, that's what bothers me. I want to suffer more for my sins. That's what you'll think if you think it's not faith alone. Contrast that with a person around about the same period. It was an old woman lying on her deathbed, and a Catholic priest came to her, Martin Buis, a German priest, and later on he got saved. But the priest came and he, he said to her, Oh, lady, you have so much peace. You are going straight to heaven because you lived such a good life. And she said, no. She said, if I were to trust in my good works, I would not have this peace. I'd be afraid. How can I stand before a holy God with my sin? The reason I have peace is because I trust in Christ alone. He is my surety. He is my advocate. He is my lawyer who defends me and stands in my place. So in the end, you see, there are only two religions in the world. There's the true religion of those who trust in Christ alone. And then there are those who trust in themselves and their merits. There are those who look inward. They look at themselves for the solution. And then there are those who look outside of themselves to say the solution's not here. The solution hung on a cross 2,000 years ago. It was buried and the tomb is empty. There's the religion of those who confess, we are saved by faith alone. And then there are, there's the religion of those who confess, I am saved by my own merit, my own works. Which one of the two are you? Heavenly Father, thank you for Good Friday, which is indeed. And truly a good Friday. A Friday of darkness and suffering and anguish. But for us, the day of our salvation. When Jesus said, it is finished. It is done. It is complete. The price has been paid. And thank you that you give us the benefits of this through faith. And I pray for your children, Lord, encourage your people. And comfort even your children who have started to become afraid, started to look around and be in anguish and anxiety. And for those who do not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Saviour yet, that they would this very Good Friday receive Christ through faith.